This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen of Fog.net, and we are the Washburn half-court shot of television. Like, we're going to, okay. we're going to, I don't know, that didn't work. I was going to say, maybe they would be like the presenting sponsor, not Washburn, the school, like specifically that half-court shot. Can they do that? I don't know. That was quite an ending for the Ichabods. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, don't fret. You can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Well, Scott, we'll talk plenty hoops today, but let's get started with Les Miles. The Kansas football coach is on administrative leave after allegations emerged from his time at LSU. What can you tell us about the situation in Lawrence? Well, Fitz, uh, it's pretty tense in Lawrence right now. It's a, a lot of information to throw at you in just a couple minutes here, but I'll try to do my best to sum it up. Uh, the, maybe the easiest way to put it is that um, one internal investigation at, that took place at LSU that was conducted by an outside firm back in 2013. That was unsealed. USA Today did some reporting on, on this as well. And then there was a, a new report that came out this week, all sort of centered around LSU. Um, Title IX investigation, how they've handled uh, cases of you know, sexual misconduct, how they've handled those sorts of allegations. And uh, tied up in a lot of that was uh, KU coach Les Miles. Now, Les Miles is not alleged or accused to have been involved in a sexual relationship with anyone. That is noted in the reporting, in the reports. But uh, there are some pretty serious allegations that go back to his time at LSU. Uh, Among them, the sexualization of student workers, the allegation that Miles was alleged to have requested a certain type of person based off their physical appearance. Um, be not only hired to his athletic department, but to be put in more prominent positions, to be given certain roles, uh, to have your hours docked if you didn't fit a certain body type or have a certain hair color. Um, There's obviously a serious allegation that Miles kissed uh, a student worker multiple times in a conversation about uh, giving career advice, that he was um, alone with this person in a car, that he allegedly invited the student worker um, to either a motel or his condo, that um, this conduct took place. Now, Les Miles has denied these allegations. Les Miles' attorney actually just came out with a statement released to a number of media outlets uh, that really went at KU for putting him on administrative leave, calling the accusations baseless, saying that KU is caving to media pressure. Um, 
It's important to note they are allegations, unless Miles has denied uh, many of them. Uh, but also a lot of the allegations do have good sourcing, not only from USA Today, but from these reports that were conducted. It is very serious for Les Miles. Um, this is obviously a major story, and I think right now a lot of it points to uh, Les Miles probably being out as a Kansas coach at some point. Of course, we don't have the conclusion on that right now. You get into a separate conversation. We will continue this conversation later about how Kansas can do it if they have to pay his buyout of $8 million, what that means for the athletic administration, Jeff Long. There's a lot of information there. I, I would encourage anyone who's interested to read more about it. We will talk more about it. But Fitz, it's a tough, tough situation in Lawrence right now. Yeah, it's, it's, these things are, they just seem to be popping up everywhere. And mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm glad uh, that someone other than me has to handle investigating this because, man, you talk about walking into some quicksand. It's, it's going to be difficult for KU to sort this one out. Mm -hmm. Well, Fitz, K-State ended its regular season with a 61-56 victory over Iowa State. Not only did the Wildcats win three of their last four, they also won more Big 12 games than the last season. Are, there si are these signs of progress for Bruce Weber's program? Yeah, they are. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, last year was just a, a disaster for K-State. They had some veteran players. I mean, they had a pretty good player, Xavier Sneed, another one in Cardi Ajada, and they won three games in the conference and got last. This year, they won four games in the conference and got second to last. So, I mean, mathematically, that's progress. But uh, they have such a young roster. The early season was a real challenge for them because they didn't have enough time together to learn defense, offense, and all those things. And they really have improved dramatically on the defensive end. And they have seemingly learned their window to be successful. Uh, it's kind of interesting when you look at those three victories they had over TCU, Oklahoma, and now Iowa State, whom they beat earlier in the season. That's their four wins. But they scored 62, 62, and 61 points in those three games. and they held their opponent to the mid-50s in all three victories. So that's a pretty narrow window, but it's worked for K-State. And I want to compliment the kids for kind of staying the course. I mean, this would have been an easy year to kind of chuck it in and say, you know what, this isn't any fun, this stinks. But they have continued to grind and improve, and I think that's a credit to them as players and the coaches have done a good job trying to get something out of this season. And they have another winnable game on Wednesday in Kansas City in the first round of the Big 12 tournament because they play TCU once again. And it'd be pretty remarkable in this miserable, miserable season in which K-State's lost to Fort Hayes. They had a 45-point loss at Baylor, the largest margin of defeat in school history. And if they could rattle off four out of five here down the stretch before, you know, they'd certainly lose to Baylor again. But uh, I think it would really give the players a better feeling as they go into the offseason. Now, something we're going to be monitoring, of course, at Go Cat will be what is going to happen this offseason, not only with Coach Weber, but will players be leaving the program? Those are all big stories to come for K-State basketball. Yeah, Fitz, you know, there was a point earlier in the season, Iowa State had a worse record than K-State. They actually felt like the Cyclones were probably the better team based off how close some of their results had been, even with the loss to K-State. That's not arguable now. No. Kansas State has shown a, a lot of improvement this year. It's been impressive. It is a credit to their players. It's a credit to Mike McGurl. I think it's a credit to that coaching staff as well. Yeah, I would say just never really bought in. Once they got into the tailspin, it just got worse. And they had a little window there where you thought maybe they were going to uh, put up a fight, but they trailed at halftime and never led in the second <laughs> half. As case, they just kind of held them off. Well, Scott, Selection Sunday is one week away. God, I missed it last year. It feels like every year, except for last year, we're <laughs> waiting for the Big 12 to have a complete showing in the NCAA tournament 
Is it going to happen this year? Well, Fitz, uh, I draw a distinction between maybe like a, a good showing at the top, a Big 12 team making the Final Four, versus a complete showing what you asked about, which is a bunch of teams making right. it and making it far. And I think this year there really is great potential uh, for that to take place in the Big 12, just because the, the number of quality teams you're looking at two right here, Baylor and West Virginia, who just played, I mean, an absolutely fantastic overtime game. Oh, by the way, Baylor looks completely dominant in its next game. So clearly Baylor is back. Clearly West Virginia is pretty good. Clearly Kansas, with, which just beat Baylor, is pretty good. Those are three teams that I don't think anyone would be shocked if they went on a little bit of a run, probably more Kansas than some of the others. But Baylor and West Virginia are one and two seed caliber, capable very much so of getting to the Elite Eight and maybe beyond that. Look at the four teams after the three. Uh, I just mentioned you have Texas, you have Oklahoma, you have Oklahoma State, and you have Texas Tech. Those teams have good veterans, those teams have good talent. I don't think it would shock anyone if each of those teams, but you know, probably somewhere in the range of two of the four made the second weekend. So if you take two of those teams, you add Kansas, you add Baylor, you add West Virginia, that's five teams in the Sweet 16, and you'd probably have at least two or three that would be favored going into an Elite Eight matchup. I think this is probably as good as the Big 12 has been considering the circumstances the Big 12 has had to face. And by that I mean, I think a lot of these teams would be further along and more together if not for the COVID kind of changed offseason, if not uh, for this kind of harder process. I mean, think about Texas Tech working in multiple transfers to the lineup when you're not on campus for summer ball and doing things like normal. Think about Kansas where Tyon Grant Foster was a guy who was getting NBA interests who can't even see the court. He didn't get, he got, you know, what, seven or eight non-conference games to acclimate as compared to like six months to figure it out. I think schools have been affected by this. I think it's very impressive to me that the Big 12 has this many good teams. Not necessarily great teams, but good teams. I'm sold on Baylor, and I like the fact that seven Big 12 teams will get in, and none of them are on the bubble. They're all mm -hmm. in. They're going to get in. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State's the one that intrigues me. They're coming off a really impressive road win at West Virginia without their top two players. <laughs> so uh, they, they seem to be surging. Oklahoma's fading. Uh, I'm just disappointed in where Texas and Texas Tech have kind of found themselves as the season progressed. Mm -hmm. Well, now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, who should be Big 12 Coach of the Year? Look at the results here. Bill Self, there, there might have been a little bit of home oh. bias here, Fitz, 43%. Although Kansas did finish second. Uh, Scott Drew, number one, Baylor, 30%. My pick, Mike, Mike Boynton at OSU, 14%. Bob Huggins, West Virginia, 13%. I'm telling you, buddy, uh, a week ago it's Scott Drew, but all of a sudden Mike Boynton has put his nose into that situation. <laughs> he might steal that thing. This week's question is this. It's pretty simple. Who wins the Big 12 tournament? Our four choices are Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, or any other Big 12 team. Make sure you vote on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, 
Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Kansas basketball grabbed the number two spot in the Big 12 tournament after West Virginia fell to Oklahoma State over the weekend. Scott, how big of an accomplishment is this for Kansas? I actually do think it's an accomplishment. I think Bill Self thinks this is a real accomplishment. The reason why is Kansas lost a couple games in January, and Bill Self at the time basically said, look, the storybook season, as he put it, is over. The storybook ending, there's still a possibility for that. But he said the Big 12 race is done, that Baylor's not going to give that up. And he immediately pointed that out as a goal and said, hey, you know, Kansas has to finish the season strong and could get as high as that number two seed. And he said that at the time I remember thinking, you know, there's no chance this team that's a few games down is going to finish right behind Baylor. But, you know, that's where Kansas did. I think West Virginia was a half game back of them, but uh, maybe only played Baylor one time, I believe. So, I, you know, I don't necessarily think you would give them the win in the tie there. I think uh, it was probably more likely that Kansas would have ended up ahead. Fitz, 21 years, Bill Self has coached at a Power 5 school. The worst his team has ever finished in the conference standings, third. And that is, I believe, one time. So when, when you yeah. think about the amount of success he's had um, just over the regular season, you know, one of the most defining things about Bill Self, I've spoken about this before, I think it's so interesting how his kind of tournament legacy is viewed because he's had teams that have really underperformed in the tournament. And the way I've always looked at it is, I think Bill Self is so good at getting the most out of his group with time to prepare, with a regular schedule, with controllable circumstances, with coaches he knows, with schemes that he can put in against other teams, that a lot of his losses have come, you know, in the second day of tournament sets. When it's, hey, you've got a day to prepare, are your players going to beat their players? And sometimes, you know, I think Bill Self has made his teams look a little bit better than they are. I think this qualifies as one of them. This is a KU team that goes into the tournament, and if they lose the first weekend, Fitch, you won't be shocked. I won't be shocked. Maybe you wouldn't expect it or bet on it, but it would certainly be one of those things where you would say, you know, okay, they have these ups and downs, and yet they find a way to finish second in a Big 12 that has teams ranked all throughout the top 10 throughout the year. Obviously, West Virginia, uh, Texas was up in the top 10 at one point. Oklahoma was in the top 10 at one point. I know Texas Tech got pretty high up there. So uh, this was a really good year for the Big 12. I don't think necessarily Kansas is the second best team in the Big 12, but they finished there. They also navigated the COVID stuff, with it, which I think was important. It's too. been incredible. Mid-season, I'm like, I've never seen Bill Self not reach a team, not kind of plug into what they need to do to win. And he did it. He, did, he found a way to get this team back on track. If you told me three weeks ago this team was going to end up second in the Big 12 and beat Baylor, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> But you should also see my picks, and that's coming up later in the show. It's, I don't really know what I'm doing, I think. I wouldn't have disagreed with you, really. But, uh, <laughs> Will Fitz, switching gears, K-State open spring football practice Friday after 4-6 and six 2020 season. What are some of the main concerns heading into Coach Chris Kleiman's third season? Yeah, You know, they actually have some, some surprising depth on this team. And, of course, they have Skylar Thompson back at quarterback. He won't be in contact. He won't, you know, be getting hit at all, but he's way ahead of schedule. He's actually throwing a ball, and Chris Kleiman said on his uh, press conference that he's throwing the ball. Looks like he didn't have anything wrong, which is remarkable considering uh, the seriousness of his injury. Uh, K-State, uh, the big storylines here are showing up the middle of that defense. Defensive tackle, linebacker, they've got some good frontline guys, but do they have enough depth at those positions? They're really deep at linebacker. Their additions in the secondary through the transfer portal really bolstered that area. They have a 
Stencil to be really good on the defensive side of the ball if they can stay healthy and everything clicks for them. Of course, they have Deuce Vaughn. Uh, you know, one uh, publication listed Deuce Vaughn as the one of the ten underclassmen that might be potentially up for the Heisman Trophy. That's that's just unbelievable considering he was playing last year as a true freshman. The problem on offense is that receiver, they need people to step up. They have guys back. They have their main crew back at receiver, but they were fairly ineffective last year and dropped too many passes. So improving receiver, finding a new tight end to be kind of the go-to guy now that Briley Moore's moved on to the NFL are big storylines and getting more depth behind Deuce Vaughn, who will be the number two quarterback and probably Will Howard. He's coming back for his sophomore season, but they have uh, a really good incoming freshman quarterback that's going to push. So it's it's a lot of storylines here, but in reviewing all the stuff that uh, you know I've said about K-State football over the last 12 months, the most striking change is last year the offensive line was an enormous question mark for K-State football. Not in, not only did those guys deliver for the most part last season, now Noah Johnson, their only senior from last year, has decided to come back. And if you look at the two deep, it's actually into almost three deep. They've got about 12 guys that are going to contend for starting positions. That's incredible for an offensive line and what they need. Yeah, Fitz, I was going to jump in and say something about this being a tone-setting year, a defining year. I saw that first highlight at the beginning of the package, the screen pass where Jalen Daniels turns the other way across his body, floats one, picks six, whatever. Man, that, that was just a reminder of the struggle that last year was for Kansas. <laughs> it's been a while since we talked about the on-field product of Kansas football. But, yes, I, I do think uh, I'm very interested to see what K-State comes up with, Chris Kleiman. And I do think in some ways year three can be a tone-setting year for a lot of coaches. Yeah, so very interesting. Be, in that Jake Rubley being in, on campus for spring football as a freshman quarterback is really helpful as he mm -hmm. gets experience and intends to redshirt if they can stay healthy at this spot. And now we step out of bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, let's dig a little deeper into the KU situation, and Fitz, you can provide an outside perspective here. So if KU must fire Les Miles, if that's the determination that KU does make, should Athletics Director Jeff Long also be removed? You know, this is interesting because did he know about these allegations? I mean, that seems to be kind of the fulcrum here about uh, where this thing's gonna, what direction it's gonna head in. Uh, if, if Jeff Long knew about it and still hired him, well, that's troublesome. But if he didn't know about it, it kind of puts it back on Les Miles for hiding it. Uh, but either way, he made this hire. It was an interesting hire to start with. I think some people have questioned, you know, he kind of hired the name more than the current state of the coach. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll end up getting fired. I don't know if that's really going to be helpful in this situation. Uh, but let's remember, he made a pretty strange hire at Arkansas with Bobby Petrino and you know he's he kind of ignores some of the warning signs that are have been in the past well we'll see uh, I wouldn't just say that right now that he needs to be fired but boy in in a week or two as more of this develops Scott uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's gone too and what a mess at that point yeah you have to find a new AD to hire a new coach um, but what, what are your quick thoughts on this? Well, I think that's part of it too, right? You know, if you don't get rid of Jeff Long, do you trust him to make the next coaching hire? I think that's a question. Um, you outlined two possibilities. I, I think you can expand that even to four. Either, you know, Jeff Long knew and didn't care about it, which it sounds like from the quotes that have been out that that's not the case, but that's one. Number two, that he didn't vet Les Miles enough. 
Number three, that he did vet uh, Les Miles properly, but Les Miles concealed information. Or I suppose there's this number four where parties were, you know, legally obligated not to disclose certain information. But under about three of those, I'm not sure you want uh, that same guy then going and making the next hire. So I think it's a tricky situation. Buyout-wise, I think it's about $3.5 million to move on uh, from Jeff Long. And Fitz, I, I don't know. I think probably the most likely outcome at this point would be Kansas going with an interim coach for this year, figuring it out, and then maybe doing a, a new coaching search November, October, late in the season, mm. kind of figuring it out from there. If that's the case, you, you might keep Jeff Long around just for a little bit more, and then maybe you make that change during the summer or something. I, I don't think it looks good for either yeah, of them. It's a mess. Well, now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question this week is, Fitz, where was Antonio Gordon on Saturday? He's been playing. He's been starting and playing. Is he leaving the program? That's from Dave in Topeka. Well, David, sure sounds like he's leaving the program. After the game, Bruce Weber said he's been fighting injuries and he just decided to shut down his season. Um, but he still, he wasn't at the game. So, you know, it wasn't like he was sitting on the bench injured. He just wasn't at the game. I think he's left the program. When asked point blank by my... Uh, reporter Michael Goins about his status. Is he with the program? Bruce Weber didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He talked about the injuries some more. Is Antonio Gordon, who was just emerging as a pretty good power forward for K-State, leaving the program? That, that's not a good sign if he is. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the drive 13. Here are last week's results. Something froze over and I went two and one <laughs> with the fans. Scott went one and two. Scott has a lead that will not be relinquished. Here are this week's picks. And we start with Kansas. Minus four and a half against Oklahoma, we assume. Maybe Iowa State beats them, but Scott, you have. I will take Kansas by exactly five. Mm, I'll take Oklahoma. I don't feel good about it. Next is K-State Pick'em versus TCU. Fitz, I'm going to go with TCU. Do you want the Cats? I'm going to take the Cats. I'm feeling good about the Cats all of a sudden. <laughs> we'll see. Again, make your picks over on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a Strong Local Community, Scott. Well, Kansas football, if it does change coaches, has a number of interesting options on staff between Joshua Urkel, Emmett Jones, but actually at the moment, put in charge of the program is Mike DeBoard, the new offensive coordinator. When we talk about the connection between Jeff Long and Les Miles, it's also important to note Mike DeBoard was at Michigan with the two of them. The optics aren't great of Having this situation between Jeff Long, people don't know how it involved, how involved it is between Jeff Long, Les Miles, and then taking another Michigan man and putting him in charge of the program. But that's where Kansas is right now. Well, a lot of K-State fans want to know if Bruce Weber will be back. As I've said, all indications are yes. But if Antonio Gordon is the first of many departures in this offseason, that might become a no pretty darn quickly. We will see how that develops. 
And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.